the powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. And just the way we like it. We love hearing our own opinions and our own conversations and our own guests. Oh, the music, and the music plays on. And you are listening to Waking Up in America. We are a radio magazine for an intelligent world. At least we call ourselves that, and I, I think we come close. Be a fly on the wall with us and listen to the most intriguing conversations in radio. And boy, we got a couple for you today. Uh, please join our radio team of experts. We have Cherie Ross incorporating essential oils into your daily life. We have Lisa Molson, who will actually call in from a, a trade show in Minnesota today, if, if that works out the way we've got it planned. We've got Debbie Ringchop, who is usually our doctor for money, and the doctor for money is actually hanging out um, with her husband, who would really probably benefit from a moment of peace and support from all of us. He's going through some challenges. We have George Rucheski who shows you will show you where leadership fits in your life. Most people go, leadership? Yeah, that's something somebody else does, but not me. Well, George will tell you different. I love to bring you interesting and provocative guests, and I've so done it today. I'm Dr. Val. I'm a firewalker, a torchbearer, Olympic torch, and the mother of two, and they're all extraordinary adventures, and I, I have a life full of extraordinary adventures, and so I expect extraordinary results, and I meet extraordinary people. Our guests come from all fields, from Olympic champion Mark Spitz to internationally known nutritionist Marcella Von Harding and the amazing Broadway legend Carol Channing. If you, When you visit our website at wakingupinamerica.com and check the guest list, you will be so impressed at who has spent time with us. Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Network says we're doing radio, which will change the world. Join us in making that true. We have um, new listener subscriber shifts where we're inviting you to join us on the website and be part of the group that receives information every week on who's going to be on. So we'd love to have you on that list. And if during the course of this program you hear a dog barking, a telephone ringing, a, a tree falling down, or an angel singing, just know that we call in from our homes and offices all over the world, actually, on occasion, to cause this program. And we'll say that... A little communication glitching is way better than not having the connection at all. Some of our editors have, sometimes are actually forced to call in on cell phones, though we try to avoid that. So pick up the friend and tell him to listen because we're ready to make some magic here. And um, first off, just for the needs of what she needs to accomplish today, Debbie Ringchop, our doctor for money, is going to let us know what's happening in her life and what she's up to based on partially the fact we're also going to be talking to Pat Allen, who's absolutely known for stirring things up. The conversation today will about be negotiating sex. God knows what that will bring up. So, Debbie, what would you like to say? Hi, this is Debbie Ringtop. You're normally doctor for money. Today I'm sitting waiting for a doctor to walk in and check on my husband who's in uh, ICU. So thank you all. I know your prayers are out here with me. Um, today I just wanted to say I was in DC, Washington, D.C. last week and meeting with some of the most influential people in the media market, the books, book publishers and authors. Such an inspiration to be with the, the creativity that's out there. And I just wanted to remind everybody that there is a book in every one of us. We all have so many experiences 
from our own past. Um, and just keep in mind, at some point, you need to make sure that you pass on to your family, to the world, what things have gone on in your life, the kinds of inspirational things that are part of your life. And be sure and get that down in writing. At least write it or record it. Um, part of what I do with our Doctor for Money is that we really want to be able to share our inspiration. Our assets are much more than just our finances. They are everything from sharing our experiences, our knowledge, our spiritual sides, family and friends. We need to be sure and create whatever is necessary to pass that information on. It does no good to die with all that knowledge and, and inspiration inside of you. It has to be shared. So I want to make sure that everybody out there remembers, share what you know, let people hear you, live out loud. Now, I have a little quote that came from Washington, D.C. I happened to be on a book t- or on a tour of the memorials and the monuments, and our guide was telling us a little bit of history about Washington, D.C., and I thought it was rather interesting seeing that we have the uh, doctor regarding uh, discussion around sex today. <laughs> so um, this was a little history from the Civil War time. Major General Joseph Hooker happened to be in charge of all the troops, and in order to try to keep all of his troops together, he used to bring the prostitutes to wherever the camps were. <laughs> and in Washington... Smart, smart soldier. Uh, yeah. So in Washington, they he actually made arrangements and brought all the prostitutes to a few blocks, you know, a little section of town where he would keep all the prostitutes so that he knew where all his troops were. So because his last name was Hooker, his name became kind of an infamous word, and that's where the term Hooker, even though it was already... Out there, it became popularized during the Civil War because of our dear Major General Hooker. I wanted to let you know that that's the history in Washington, D.C. <laughs> that is just absolutely outrageous. We should send you to Washington more often. Wasn't <laughs> well, that funny? <laughs> it's very funny. I just thought that was a great segment into um, our, our country's history and uh, what our topic is today. So well, I'm sure, well, it'll be interesting what Dr. Pat Allen has to say about that. I'm actually here on her website, which is drpatallen.com. Hop on the Internet here and check out who's talking to you. She's a, she's a very good trip. She's been on the show before. Um, she's Dr. Pat Allen. When I first came in, in, in touch with you, Dr. Allen, was it had to do with your book, Getting to Say I Do. Yes. Is that kind of the beginning of it, or were you up and uh, going before I was, then? I was up and running before that, but I was up and running doing spots on TV, Oprah shows, things of that kind. And I was doing uh, my regular seminars in Los Angeles and Newport Beach. Uh, I, ha- I was talking my book for a number of years, and then I had the wonderful opportunity of collaborating with uh, Sandra Harmon, who... Uh, collaborated with Priscilla Presley and Elvis and me, the book. And uh, she was in the audience and came up and said, I'll help you put it into print. Oh, this and is cool. Let me... her connections, networking, and my theory, uh, out came the beginning book. 
Well, I have some. Uh, I want to make sure. I just realized as you were talking that we ought to give listeners access to you. So the way we can do that on the show today is you can email me at val at wakingupinamerica.com and you can ask me to ask Pat a question for you. And you will actually hear it on the air. If you're not listening to this show on Wednesday noon um, on the Internet, you're listening to a replay, so don't get yourself frustrated. It's just it's a replay. If you're listening on Wednesday at noon, you can actually call in and have some major fun here. So with that, Dr. Allen, you and I discussed, I asked you what you'd like to talk about. My favorite subject. And you said negotiating That's sex, right? right. <laughs> and I went... Oh, interesting. Okay, great. So what would you like to say about negotiating sex, and how does it get differentiated from hooking? uh, Hooking can be either uh, intimidation or seduction. You know, you better give it to me, which is intimidation. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm getting over that thing. (laughs) Anyway, intimidation sex is basically one driven by fear, which comes close to date rape, or rape itself, or uh, any form of mental violence. Seduction, on the other hand, is come get it, big boy or big girl. Uh, I've got it, and you want it, and you're going to have to pay to get it. And it, that hooks up directly with uh, General Hooker. What a great lead-in. That's funny. <laughs> but negotiating sex, and I, and I mean sex, negotiating sex, is what goes along and what goes on in dating, not oh. courting, but dating. Oh, okay. Because when I, when you were talking, when or when we were talking, in hindsight, what I reflected on was, well, may, was this? I actually wondered if this was negotiating sex in a relationship, but you're saying no. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Do you get it's to negotiate sex in a relationship? Uh, do you? Uh, you always have to negotiate. Uh, you negotiate sex in a relationship. Because chemistry, compatibility, and communication are the parts of a relationship. Now, when you're on a date, chemistry is really all you've really got. You don't know the person you're with. And that's when uh, it can, you can be with a gamey person, and that's a person who intimidates or seduces. Or you can literally negotiate, and it's called your place or mine, you know. <laughs> Uh, sex is what the animal part of us does. Making love is what the human part of us does. And the human always must be built on the animal part because we are, first of all, born animals. We have to be domesticated just like any other animal. So as a woman, would you ever take on a badly trained animal? Uh, some women do. I yeah, think, I'm just. I mean, it I seems think to me in I my past, I may have had an excursion to that event. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Well, yeah, because uh, you know, whatever. I I'm not sure if it's chemistry or neurosis, and I'm not sure that I know how to distinguish that all the time. I think that that's what I do for a living. Chemistry is the natural DNA, the natural connection. Did you know the research they had done? Well, it's now going on about a year. They put some sweaty T-shirts that had been worn by some guys in boxes. And no shoes, no cars, no money, no looks, nothing but DNA sweaty T-shirts. 
and they had the dear ladies go by and smell them. Pheromones, uh-huh. pheromones. Yeah, I was going to ask if that was the right. pheromone thing. Pheromones. And here's what they came up with. Wherever the DNA was totally unlike a woman's father, he was an alien. Where the DNA in the T-shirt was too much like her father, he was taboo. And the person, the man with the T-shirt that was a little DNA like dad and a little not like dad was a mammalian gift. Uh. And that diversity requires complementarity. Well, interesting. Isn't that interesting? It is really interesting. I thought so. So what do you think the odds, if if you sniffed 100 T-shirts and they they were randomly selected? Yes. How many do you think out of that 100 would be something that would be good for you? I have no idea, but I would imagine it would be a very slim amount. You're thinking two or three or something? Very selective. Pardon? You're thinking two or three or something like that? It'd be very small. It would be very small because just as uh, it's just as okay, the world is run on chaos, and chaos is just total multiple choices all over the place. But then you go to the next level of complexity. I have five choices. I have ten choices. But then if you build and negotiate, you network. And networking is the ultimate result of chaos. So if you had 100 T-shirts and you found five that were DNA compatible and you were to meet those people and date them, within three dates, you would know if the chemistry was accurate. Mm. You see? Yeah, I do. You wouldn't know who they were for a minimum of a year, compatibility, neurosis, psychosis, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and whatever. And so basically you might know the person that you would like to physically connect with, which is sex, but you would never know that on the relationship basis, whether you want to negotiate a relationship. You would have to put in time for that, and I divide them up in the perfect first three months, you know, the, in the first three months, you're doing relationships out of Cosmo. You know, you're doing what you're supposed to do based on GQ or whatever. Right. You see? But then at the end of three months, you're getting bored with the artificiality, so you start to get real. And then the, the imperfect period starts. And that's when he becomes a jerk and you become a jerk. And now you really find out how compatible you are. Mm. And you go on in those three months imperfectly, hopefully negotiating, not intimidating, and not seducing. And then you move in to the third trimester, which is negotiating. You know, there's a wonderful book by a man named Karis. It's called, You Don't Get What You Deserve, You Get What You Negotiate. Isn't that a great thing? Yeah, it sounds like it fits in more places than just sexuality. I know that. It's a business book. I get it. I, and so I totally get it. Negotiating is where, number one, you know you're non-negotiables. I don't want a drunk. I don't want a drug addict. I don't want a Jewish. I don't want a Catholic. Whatever your non-negotiables are, that's when it goes into effect. And then you negotiate the negotiables. 
You know, do you want to live in Pittsburgh or will you move to Florida or all the things. Do you want one kid or ten? The things that that uh, you've got to start working out between you. And it isn't until the fourth trimester in a relationship, which is months 9 to 12, that you decide that the relationship is valuable enough even on the bad days. I always say 51% valuable. The days you hate him or her are the days you say, yeah, but I'm here because this relationship provides this, and it's worth all of these miserable days. <laughs> Nobody is worth committing to, and that includes me. No one is worth committing to because we're up and down the scale of rational to emotional. You've got to commit to the relationship you build through negotiation. So it's a shared phenomenon. Absolutely. Well, Pat, let me just see if I can um, have some of the other team join us in this conversation. We have George Ruchewski of True Leadership. I'm not sure if um, Debbie Ringchop is on. We have Cherie Ross of Essentially Yours. And um, Lisa Molson, are you here? Yes, I am. Great. Did you catch any of this, kiddo? Yeah, I just caught the, the tail in there. Hi. I Hi love this is Lisa Molson of Family Matters, Pat. Yes. So tell them what you're up to, Lisa, and ask Pat a question. Well, geez, I'm I'm in Minneapolis at a at an indie gaming trade show here, but I'm just I like the comment about um, you get what you negotiate and and uh, not what you deserve. But sometimes that happens, though. But I think those are the windfalls. I think when you're in alignment with what you really want in life, I think sometimes you do get a couple of windfalls, don't you? In love and relationships. Hear that, Pat? Yeah, I'm here, and I want to say the problem with windfalls is that there are just as many pitfalls that occur. I'd rather that we were conscious when we designed our relationships rather right. than depend on uh, statistical probabilities. Right. Monkeys paint pictures. They just can't reproduce them. <laughs> so let's say that we didn't walk in with our eyes wide open. Is there any hope for us yet? Absolutely. Then you listen to shows like this, people like me, and you read books like Getting to I Do, and you say, oh, my God, I've got to go back in and renegotiate. Can you do that effectively? Absolutely, especially if you understand that in any relationship, whether it's straight, gay, or lesbian, because I do not want to say that what I teach is strictly for straight people. It is not. I am a quantum physicist in regard to relationships, and I use quantum mechanic words in order to assist people to negotiate. I'm a transactional analyst. So I need one person that wants respect by leading, and I need one person that wants to be cherished for following. And if I have one of each, I don't care what their gender is, same or different. If I've got one of each, I can help them waltz, not slam dance. Mm. That's, a, that's a very powerful conversation. Now, Lisa, do you have your Maori friend there? Yes, Mark? I do. Yep. Now, Mark is from New Zealand, Pat. Yes, I know the Maoris. <laughs> and <laughs> I love 
the tattoos. So oh, I want to find out. I'm going to put. I'm going to. Did he hear any of this? Did no? Or are we gonna, just throwing him in the I'm, pot here? I'm going to throw him the phone really quick. All right. Well, let Hold him on. know what's going on. Okay. Don't just drop him in the hot water. <laughs> Have you ever seen their geometrical tattoos? Hold on. Is he wearing them right now? No, I think. Lisa, does he have tattoos? Um. Hello. Hi, Mark. Hi, um, Pat. This yes. Is, this is Val Kirkgaard and Pat Allen. Hi, Val and Pat. Hi. Hi. Can you understand my accent? Oh, I love it. <laughs> so here's our question. We've actually been having a program. I, I, we're discussing how to negotiate for sex. We thought you might be interested. Sorry, negotiate. <laughs> um, Dr. Allen is a very well-known author who works with people in the area of relationships and sexuality. I know that you came to the United States actually to go to the gaming show and meet people like um, Lisa. To, yes. to create that, but at the same time, I could not resist getting a voice from down under <laughs> on how how you guys relate to the conversation of negotiating for sex. Well, Pat, maybe you'd like to say something. <laughs> uh, am I correct? Are you part of the group that tattoos? Sorry? Do you Are wear you, tattoos? Do you have geometrical tattoos? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. The, so, the, the indigenous people of New Zealand? Yes, that's right. Yes. Okay. Um, what I want to know is, are you of a cultural bend to negotiate uh, sexuality? Uh, what are your mores when it comes to sexuality for, for you and your kin, kinsmen? Okay. Um Probably the best way to explain how we view it is basically the relationship between the male and the female. Yes. And there are two roles, and the male's role we call uh, rangatira, which is equivalent to, say, being a chief. Or, and in my world, yang. I'm, I'm just correlating it. I'm, I'm showing that what you're speaking of is what I teach from the okay. yin-yang. So... If I interrupt, it's simply to collaborate with you. So thank you for that particular bridge. Okay. What um, do you consider the female? Sorry, Val? What is the name for female? What is a woman's name? Yeah. A woman's name, okay, is we call a powahini. Powahini? Powahini. I would call it yin. Okay. Okay, she's comparing your worlds and she's putting it into a world, a union world. Yes. Okay. Now, how, how that relates to relationship for us is a man cannot be who he is without the support of a woman. Yay. So the powahini actually is about, it represents a, a strong pole or a, a beam that supports the house. And that's the same uh, role that she plays in the relationship. Now, the man, he is he's subject to the powahini. He cannot move or do or be whatever he chooses to be on his own free will. And that applies to sexual conduct. And we relate it sort of similar to um, the animal world where 
the, the male uh, lion, for example, and the female lion is even as strong and as powerful the male lion is, he just does not go and help himself to the female lion. The stronger sex is the weaker sex because yes. of the dependency of the stronger sex on the weaker sex. Yes, very much. Very interesting. And it, it is sort of it goes even a little bit further to the we call what we it's called a karanga. Now what that it's about a calling. And a woman's job in our culture is to call things into being. So you do not do anything or respond in any way unless she, first of all, is the karanga. And it's similar to like the female lion again, who would invite the male into that situation as opposed to the male just imposing himself onto it. Oh, isn't that amazing? The female veto right is what sets boundaries for yes. the male initiative right. That's the one. And that's what I teach as well. There you go. Two uh, different sides of the world. There you go. And I appreciate it. I have a special question that I want to ask you, um, Mark, before we move on here. I had read a book called The Mutant Messenger many years ago. Yes. And in that book, one of the things that was implied was that the Maori race was actually declining because they weren't having as many children. Is that true? Well, it, it, in terms of blood, that was happening, but in terms of genealogy, it is growing. So you're beginning we, to merge with other people, or are you re- maintaining your own individuality? That well, myself, myself personally, coming from a, my father's side is Swedish, and my mother's side is Maori. Huh. And I have other family members who are half Greek, half Māori, half Scottish, half Māori. But what to be a Māori, we have in our culture, there's only two descriptions of people, and that's a, you're either a Māori or what we call a Pākehā. Now, a Māori is a person who has a Māori ancestor. A Pākehā is a person who does not have a Māori ancestor. So we recognise our people through their genealogy as opposed to saying you need to have a special amount of blood to be recognised. Oh, wow, that's great. If we didn't do so that... So in that sense, you're growing. Yes, exactly. Well, if we didn't do that, we would have yeah, we would have been eliminated. <laughs> I heard you were headed in that direction, and I found myself a bit upset. <laughs> but you, you've made me a lot happier today. I actually think um, we had a similar conversation, and I'm going to say it was three or four years ago. I remember on that. The, on the radio, and I'm just... To me, the way this all happens is magic. Because that conversation, I forgot your name, Mark, but I remembered your conversation about the woman calling the man forward and stuff. We actually approached it from another direction than sexuality at that time. That's right. I don't exactly remember how, but I found it highly amusing that like three or four years later we were having a similar conversation, and I'm just so pleased to meet you, and I hope I actually get to do that in person at some point. Oh, likewise. So, Mark, it's Mark Strom? That's right. Mark Strom, thank you very much for bringing your very unique point of view to Waking Up in America today. We're really grateful that you're here. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, that's great. And tell, give Lisa a hug. Tell her good job. I will do. And so we want to um, just let you listeners know you've had a unique privilege here talking with Mark Strom from a Maori from um, New Zealand, and I love the way they perceive things. I absolutely love it. And Dr. Allen, um, we have time for one question 
from Cherie or George or <laughs> I think I heard Debbie signing off. Or, JJ, if you're here, do you have a question you'd like to ask Dr. Allen before we go to our next segment? Oh, silent ones. Yes. Um, hi, this is Sheree calling. Can you hear me guys okay? Oh, you're great. Fabulous. Okay, one of the questions that I have is I love the language that you are using. For example, con- conscious on designing our relationships. Oh, 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 you should be teaching in high schools. Let me tell you, this is amazing. How? What are some signs that perhaps you're in a relationship, a romantic relationship that really is not going to work as a romantic relationship? You know, what are some clues or anything uh, that... Number one, uh, the chemistry has to be there. You have to like their touch or like to touch them. You've got to like their body on a anatomical level. That's one. Two, you have to decide if you want to be the yang or the yin. If you want to lead, lead and see if they follow. If you want to be the yin, ask them what is it they want and see if they lead so that you can follow. If the language doesn't follow or lead, you have too much similarity. And by having that problem, your compatibility will deteriorate in communicating. It's in communication. It's in that 15% of communication that you build a relationship on the physical, sexual, animal nature. Dr. Allen, it's JJ. If you've got two people that want to lead, can they learn to negotiate so they can have a relationship? Yes as long as they are willing. For example, in a same-sex relationship or in a relationship where the man is left-handed, thus having a larger brain connection like a woman, they have to arbitrarily know what I'm speaking of and do it deliberately to override the excessive anatomical similarities. Did you hear that? That was impressive. Uh, That is the way it is, and I work with a great deal of um, alternative lifestyles to women, to, you know, gay, lesbian, whatever. But I also work exactly with left-handed men and women, and they have the same difficulties communicating as same-sex relationships. J.J., are you left-handed? No, I'm not left-handed, but you know what I think is happening? It doesn't matter for the woman. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just wondering if because women have been really thrown into a, you know, into being strong, being career oriented, we've taken on a different role, if that really is affecting the whole dynamics of relationships so that we're carrying that in now at home where we wouldn't have been the, you know, where it's now we're leading all the time. Yeah, it's got to be. Please leave your cojones at the office, ladies, unless when you go home, you want to be the man. The Yang. <laughs> well, Dr. Ellen, it's a perfect place to say thank you very much for very joining us today. I hope you stick around. Um, you're listening to Waking Up in America. We've been just talking with um, Dr. Pat Allen on negotiating sex. Her book, Getting to Say I Do, is uh, available. And um, you have a new one coming out soon, don't you? Yes, I've got a new one. It's called The Survival Kit for Men. It's a, I've written it with a CEO. And uh, it's getting to I do for men. Oh, that's great. 
So, um, as I said, check out our website at Dr. Pat Allen, and that's A-L-L-E-N.com. And next online, we actually have J.J. Virgin, and J.J. has a hot-related topic for us today. So what, what did you want to say, J.J.? Well, you know, Ashley, though, I have a hot new mantra, so I'm more excited about the leave your... What was it? Leave your cojones at the oh, office. Right. <laughs> the only problem is my office is in my house. I'm not sure where to put them. I'm going to have to find a special little lockbox. So that's that's going to be my work after this. This was really, really helpful. And what I wanted to bring up is what happens when you've got someone you're physically attracted to, uh, your relationship's going great, but you just don't have the desire. And... It turns out that there's a whole lot you can do, thankfully, by looking at your nutrition, supplements, and lifestyle. And it all goes back, I always like to bring it back to our paleo times, and we have sex drive, not just to have fun, but so that we can keep the race going. And so when wouldn't we have a sex drive? Well, it makes sense that during times of stress, you know, feast or famine, if you've got a famine, if you're ill, if you um, are pregnant, that your sex drive would go down. And so what I think is really our major problem nowadays with our sex drive going down, especially in women who are wearing so many hats and have those cojones now when we shouldn't have them, is that this stress is absolutely lowering our sex hormones and destroying our sex drive. And so I've been writing these uh, articles, and we're posting them now on women's, I think it's called BermanSexualHealth.com. Dr. Jennifer Berman writes about the physiological sexual dysfunction. be a great companion to go with Dr. Allen's work because she's now doing what physiologically happens. How do we have reduced blood flow? How do we counteract that? What do we do about reduced libido? So just a couple little pointers of what things we can do with reduced libido is understand that, yes, now we have to go back and look at stress. And I reworked my stress questionnaire for Dr. Berman instead of stress ruining your sex drive. And so we know that you can rebuild your adrenal glands that get destroyed during during stress. But in the meanwhile, you need to get a sex drive back because it's not fair to you or your partner. So there's some simple things that you can do along the way that are going to make it much better. The number one thing is to stop drinking all the caffeine which is what you tend to do under stress, is you do a lot of caffeine and sugar. And what that does is vasoconstrict you. And what you need to do to have uh, good arousal, good orgasms, you have to have good blood flow. So caffeine, alcohol, um, damaged fat, sugar, they're going to have the exact opposite effect there. So the first thing I tell people is to look at some of those habits like caffeine and alcohol. We all know what happens if we give our date too much to drink before we... Uh, go to have a romantic evening. It never seems to fare very well. So the same thing happens with us. We need the blood flow there too. So reduce the alcohol, and there's nutrients that can help increase blood flow. The key classic one is something called arginine, and I have people take two to five grams of that about an hour before sex. Works great. So arginine, also ginkgo, biloba, ginseng, fish oil. These are all things that help with vasodilation, which is so important here. Obviously, we're going to do things to reduce stress hormones. And Dr. Carlos Eulis, who's a big sex researcher, anti-aging doc, just sent me an email because he used a product that we use in Designs for Health called Catecholicalm, and he found out that it helped this woman get aroused and have an orgasm, and it was because it dropped her sympathetic overdrive. When we're in stress, our sympathetic nervous system goes crazy, and sex is a parasympathetic activity. So by taking things like taurine and zinc and phosphatidylserine, you can dampen that big stress, got to get the project done, so that you can let your soft sexual side come out. And finally, because I know I'm running out of time like I always do, <laughs> I can hear the, the heavy breathing. I'm not sure what, what's that about. Um, 
So finally, how do we enhance libido? And there's a couple little great herbs. You know, one I just have to say because the name's so great, horny goatweed. How could you not want to take that? Horny goatweed, wild yam, damiana, tribulus. These are all things that have been used by native cultures for you know, hundreds of thousands of years. So I always love, is there a study? I'm like, I don't know. There's enough <laughs> enough Native Americans, there's enough Chinese on all these different things have used these for centuries. So why are we so arrogant that we think we need a study? Try it at home. See if it works. So those are some of my favorites to try, you know, before you go out on that hot date and you're going to negotiate for sex. Have that so you're up and ready to go and you'll you'll have a great finish to the evening. Well, I think you're a riot, J.J., Wondering where the heavy breathing is coming from for the last half hour. <laughs> We've all been talking about how to improve sex and sexual contact. Maybe we got the Maori point of view. I have to tell you, if there isn't heavy breathing, we failed. <laughs> so thank you very, very much. And God knows what Cherie Ross is going to bring to us. Before we bring you Cherie, hop over to our website at wakingupinamerica.com. Put your name on the mailing list. Invite a friend to join us. We'll be sending you information on who's going to be on the next week. And we would really appreciate your help in helping this show grow. We It's our intention to have 3 million listeners within the next two years. So We'd love to have you join us in that project, and it starts one person and one name at a time. So we'd love it if you can help our numbers grow. Cherie Ross of The Essential Oils, I can hear her ears burning with all the great information that she's been listening to from J.J. and Pat Allen and our friend from New Zealand, Mark Strom. So, Miss Essential Yours, what you got to say here today? Oh, I have hours on this topic. <laughs> This is so, I'm so excited about this, and J.J. and Pat, I can't even tell you. Okay, one of the things that J.J. has mentioned in the past, and I'm going to dovetail on, is called cortisol. And what happens is when your body gets overly stressed, then the cortisol levels increase. And when the cortisol levels increase, say bye-bye to any romantic feelings or any romantic ability in the body because it just isn't there. The body chemistry is completely upset. So there is an essential oil that you can take in a capsule, and it rapidly lowers your cortisol level and brings it back into balance. It does not lower it too low. It will only bring it back into the safe balance zone, and it's called Idaho balsam fir. And you put about 10 to 20 drops in a capsule, and you just take it at bedtime, and you just you know take it in the capsule drink with a full glass of water. Your cortisol levels will go back into balance. You will sleep. You will go into REM sleep and restful sleep much, much better. And what will happen is then you will feel refreshed, refreshed, and those amorous feelings will come back and your body physiology will cooperate. And so that is the Idaho balsam fir. Now, there's another herb in addition to the wonderful horny goat weed <laughs> that J.J. mentioned, and that is called the Lyceum barbarum, or it's better known as the Ninja wolfberry. It's actually a berry. And it's a bright, almost tomato red color, but it's a little berry, and it's kind of a tangy, sweet, tart taste. And that berry is actually classified as a medicinal herb in the ancient Chinese medicinal texts. In addition to bringing longevity, slowing down the aging process of the brain and restoring healthy heart function and proper blood flow through all the blood vessels, what the Lyceum barbarum, or the, specifically the Ninja wolfberry does, and there's many wolfberries, but it's the Ninja that does this, and it's N-I-N-G-X-I-A. The Ninja wolfberry does is it actually increases and promotes healthy 
sexual function, both in drive and in physical ability. Now, does it does it make you, pardon to you know, coin the phrase, a little horny goat? No, it does not. Regarding you know chasing after things you shouldn't be chasing after, but what it does do is it increases when you are with your partner. Um, it does increase the physiological ability and the emotional stability to really connect on that innate level. And so that's the Lycium barbarum or the Ninja Wolfberry. Now, there's a few oils, and I'm going to mention them quickly. Um, uh, two are single oils and two are blends. Ladies, if you wear jasmine oil under your armpits, in your groin area, in your heart area, anywhere where you perspire, okay, simply put, it increases your body's ability of pheromone to attract your ideal sexual partner. And if you have your ideal sexual partner but it's just too much stress or whatever and things have been clashing, start wearing jasmine. I'm not talking jasmine perfume because that is synthetic chemicals. And I'm talking the very, very, very pure, highest southern France jasmine from Provence, okay? And then men... If you wear your lang-a-lang in those same places under the armpits, um, the heart area, um, the uh, groin area, anywhere where you find yourself perspiring, what will happen is you will become much, much more attractive to your ideal mate because what will happen is, again, it, it, it's like a pheromone booster. It enhances the pheromones, your own innate pheromones. It doesn't bring in synthetic fragrance so everybody smells like the same cologne. No, no, no. It's quite the opposite. And so that's ylang-ylang. Now, there is an oil that has both of these in, and it's called sensation oil, and it balances both hemispheres of the brain with rosewood. So it's jasmine, ylang-ylang, and rosewood. Because as our wonderful uh, Pat was sharing with us, that men who are left-handed, okay, their right brain is, is much, much more developed, and so there could be some challenges. Well, rosewood literally balances both hemispheres of the brain so that it functions as equally as possible. And that has been proven through lots of research. So, yeah, for those people who do need that research, it's available, as well as the research on the Lyceum Barbarum. So that's sensation oil with jasmine, ylang-ylang, and rosewood. And I'm going to end with an oil that's called Harmony. It is a blend of 11 oils, and this oil literally works with the frequency and the energy of who we are as individuals so that we act like a human diffuser, that we are within harmony within ourselves. But then we are also, wherever we go, we extend harmony outwardly from us by just being in the presence of wherever we're at. And so if you'd like to learn more about these essential oils or the Lyceum Barbarum, be happy to send you some information. Just give us a call at toll-free 866-RADIO-99 or Heaven Incorporated, all spelled out, dot com, or myself at young-living.net. And there you go, Dr. Valerie. Oh, I love it. Thank you very much. Well, this is Dr. Val, and uh, let me tell you, I've really been enjoying these conversations. I've written down the jasmine oil. I have written down the Idaho balsam, which I think is really important, Cherie, based on what I know about cortisol making people listless and heavy. Um, I myself received uh, an email today that I wanted to share that I found it very amusing and a different point of view. So the email that I received is called No Nursing Home for Me, and it says, basically I'm going to synopsize the first part of it for you, but there was a friend who noticed a woman traveling on the Mediterranean ship, uh, uh, 
traveling in the Mediterranean on the Princess Liner, and it turns out the lady had been on the ship four times, one right after another. So somebody asked her about that, and she said, yeah, that's true. Uh, and she said, it's actually cheaper than a nursing home. <laughs> I like this conversation a lot. I sure wish I'd done this with my mom. So she said, there'll be no nursing home in my future. When I get old and feeble, I'm going to get on a Princess cruise ship. The average cost for a nursing home is $200 per day. I have checked on reservations on a Princess, and I can get a long-term discount and senior discount price of $135 a day. That leaves $65 a day for uh, gratuities, which will only be $10. she can have as many meals a day as she wants in the restaurant or the hotel service room. She can have breakfast in bed every day of the week. Princess has three swimming pools, a workout room, free washers and dryers, and shows every night. They also have a free toothpaste and razors and a free soap and shampoo. They will even treat you like a customer, not a patient. An extra $5 worth of tips will have the entire staff scrambling to help you. They get to new, meet new people every 7 to 14 days. TV broken, light bulb need changing, need the mattress replaced, no problem. They'll fix everything and apologize for your inconvenience. Clean sheets and towels every day, and you don't have to ask for them. If you fall in the nursing home and break a hip, you're on Medicare. If you fall and break a hip on the Princess Cruise, they will upgrade you to a suite for the rest of your life. Now hold on for the best. Do you want to see South America, the Panama Canal, Tahiti, Australia, New Zealand, Asia, or name where you want to go? Princess will have a ship ready for you so you don't have to look for a nursing home. Just call shore to the ship, ship to shore. And don't forget, when you die, they'll just dump you over the side at no charge. So that's my little freebie commercial for um, Princess Lines. Check it out. I understand it's really, really true. And um, I'm... As I said, I would have loved to have put Mom there. I think she would have been much happier and lived a lot longer. All I'd have to do is take her with her pet friend, Pat Wynn, and send them off on the cruise ship. We spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on resuscitating Mom because she didn't have enough water or something like that. One of those trips alone was $10,000, and I think I think there was another one at 10000 too. So, curse to me, Mom probably could have visited Antarctica, a place she always wanted to go to. Sounds pretty good, so just putting it out there for um, an idea for you all. Check out our website at wakingupinamerica.com. If you'd sign in on the new subscriber list, we would really appreciate that. And let your friends know about it, because we really do want to offer radio to the entire world that will give you an upgrade in your point of view and in your thinking. And, boy, when you get those upgrades, and I've been getting them fast and furious the last few weeks, life gets a lot easier. It's with this in mind that I bring to you George Fruchesky. He's our true leader, and our true leader will give us some tips on really being leaders in our own lives. So take it away, George. Thanks, Val. As I've been reflecting today on that conversation around relationships, uh, leadership, when we say it, more frequently we think of leadership is about a position of power and control. And yet, true leadership is about influencing and being useful, being a resource to others. And as we interviewed folks in our book, True Leaders, we discovered in their own words, leaders who were talking about this shift 
from the power and control hierarchical leadership upon which most of our organizations have been built to a more of a horizontal leadership, a leadership where the leader is there as a resource and is helping bring out the best in the people around them. So I'm thinking, so how does that apply in a marriage? How does a man lead in the marriage in a way that emphasizes service to the spouse? And I've heard the things about, you know, foreplay starts in the kitchen. Well, it does start with the man's intention to be helpful. And are we helping to keep our environment, our house clean, so that our spouse doesn't have to carry that burden alone? Are we being attentive to our spouse's need? And I learned long ago that when my wife talks to me about a problem, she does not want me to solve it. She does not want me to give her a solution. She does not want me to be a fix-it person. And as I've learned to listen, to be present, to listen, to allow her to talk through the issue, that's what she needs. She needs the opportunity to talk and not to to have an an empathetic response, not a fix-it response. And the third aspect is if I think about what I want to get out of sex, then I'm being selfish. If I think about what I would like my wife to experience, to focus on her needs, it's been amazing, but my needs get met a whole lot better. So there is that leadership, true leadership, is about focusing on helping the others around you get their needs met. And when we do that, great things happen. This segment has been brought to you by True Leader Coach. We welcome your inquiries. You can call us at 866-RADIO-99 or email us, uh, any of the editors. And I'm George at wakingupinamerica.com. And you bet he is. He definitely is. George, what an interesting segment. Thank you so much. Pat Allen, you there? Did we lose her? Oh, my goodness. Well, Val, I did have a question for Dr. Pat. Well, I thought we got to keep her, and I was going to find out, you know, what was happening for her. Well, both George, why don't you just, why don't you handle this a little bit more? Let me go back and see if I can find her. Okay. Okay. And I'll be right back, and you handle the show. Thanks. Well, I am going to uh, share another short story. Our son, John, is living in an apartment in Houston. He's working for an international company, and he was having a conversation with his cousin. His cousin is 20, John's 25. His cousin Kyle was hanging out with the wrong group of kids, got in, got arrested for minor in possession, uh, had dropped out of school, and had lost the job because he had um, not told folks that uh, he had uh, had that uh, minor in possession. So he's he was struggling. Well, John was talking to his cousin Kyle, and he said, Kyle, you need a new start. You need a fresh start, and I need a roommate. And if you're interested, I'd like to have you move to Houston. You can share my apartment, uh, and you can get a job. You can go back to school, and you can get started on the right path. And John was really pretty, uh, you know, both open. I have space, and I would like to have 
somebody sharing my apartment with me. But he also was very clear about the expectations, that this was not a vacation. It was not a chance to get away from home. It was to take the right steps. And my uh, brother and sister-in-law dropped Kyle off in Houston this weekend, and then they came to stay with us here in Dallas, Texas, on their way back to Michigan. Oh, that's perfect, George. And we were talking about John is demonstrating leadership because he's conveying to Kyle, in John's own words, the importance of making right choices and that the consequences of right choices have a whole lot better probability of becoming good than the consequences of bad choices, which we all know are pretty hard lessons to learn. And how many times we make those choices over again, hoping that they'll come out differently. Well, I did find Dr. Allen... And um, we have her back with us right now. And personally, Dr. Allen, I was wondering what your experience was like on being here on Waking Up in America and the different subjects that came up. It's and- wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm I'm still vibrating off of connecting the Chinese yin and yang with the Maori concept of male and female. That 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 was a joy to me. That wasn't that something, and I really like learning out where hookers came from. <laughs> yeah, well, wasn't that good? And I liked hearing about the biochemistry, too. Were you picking up on any of that from yes, Jay or Ivory? I recognize that, and I work with that, and especially the cortisol issue. Dr. Pat, this is George. Hello, George. I have a question for you. What is your question? Both our son and daughter are left-handed. Yes. So what is no this issue about left-handed folks in relationships? Pardon? What is the issue that you were mentioning about left-handed people and relationships? Uh, Left-handed women are universally the same. It doesn't matter whether you're right or left-handed. It's when it comes to men. Now, there's two ways to be left-handed. One is to be genetically left-handed, but otherwise totally straight. The other one is that concomitant with anatomical gayness is left-handedness. Really? Or the brain is still feminine. All fetuses are female for about the first six weeks. And it takes mom and the baby to convert that marvelous female fetus into a male. Men are Corvettes. Women are Chevys. Grandma's a Chevy. Mom is a Chevy. We're a Chevy. But for you men, you are mutable. In other words, your conversion so that a, a man who has been semi-converted to uh, the male brain will have a female response. His brain will still operate female, and he will have the structure of the female brain. So left-handed men who are straight anatomically straight men, anatomically gay men, and all women have a larger series of connections between the right and the left lobe, and therefore they can meld their limbic animal brain, sex brain, with their neocortical negotiating brain. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Are you familiar with the term berdash? Me? Yes. No, what is that? Berdash is actually a name given to gay men 
who were spiritual leaders in Indian tribes. Oh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that interesting? I, Very uh, much. I had a friend that actually was writing on that subject a That's number of years ago, unfortunately. Tremendous. I don't have the book anymore, but as you were talking, I was beginning to wonder, these are, these are the revered medicine men. Yes. The gay ones, and I'm wondering if they're left-handed is what I'm wondering. I wouldn't doubt it. Einstein, Picasso, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, Paul McCartney, Frank Sinatra, and 90% of our presidents are left-handed. Really? And the combination allows them to schmooze, very charismatic people, schmooze from the limbic brain and drive from the neocortical. Okay, what are the problems or what are the things that women who are left-handed have to look forward to? None. It's whether they're dealing with left-handed men. Mm. Women are universal. Okay, women's brains are universally complex, whereas men's brains, right-handed men, they're simplistic in the bridging. They have a smaller corpus callosum, smaller connections. For example, if you actually, Pat, we got like thirty seconds left. So okay. A right-handed man cannot record important data while watching the game. I agree. There. Okay, very good. We want to thank you for listening to Waking Up in America. This program has been produced by Editors On Air, our radio partners, ConingCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy in Memoriam, our executive producer, Nathan Jett, and thanks to our very special guests today, who are uh, Mark Strom and... Our very own special, Dr. Pat Allen. Check out our website at drpatallen.com, and that's DR. So our Chief Technical Officer, Pete Laubach, thank you, thank you, and to the team at Voice America, and today that's Ruben. Bent Meigen for Almost Ordinary People, and next week invite a friend to, to listen, and let's make some magic. Now your heart is open. This is for all, all of your crazy schemes, love and dreams, and the time you... Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com, and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com.